Thanks for joining us. I'm Alan Burke, a landscape architect here in the Puget Sound region, and you are listening to the Green Meridian Podcast. A lot of us, like you in the green industry, are wondering, what's developing with this whacked-out economy? Unemployment is crazy low right now. Anyone that's hiring knows that. Consumer spending continues at a wicked pace. Pandemic shutdowns are almost completely reversed now. The supply chain is loosening up finally. And lumber prices have come down. Alternately, the tech companies are laying folks off and selling the trampolines in the lobby out from under the tech bros that need to buckle down now and write some code. Interest rates have skyrocketed over the year without dampening spending at all. Clients are torn between selling their home only to buy a home priced way above market or renovate where they already live. There are barely a dozen homes for sale in any region anyway. You can hear a melodramatic undertone in the Wall Street Journal. It's just plain confusing. So that's the gist of this episode, a look at the potential economic downturn and what's a landscape pro going to do? For most of us in the construction and design arena, we expect that calls might taper off in 2023, at least in comparison to recent years, and some are scaling back to adapt to a possible new reality. It is busy, though. It's surprising how many folks are inquiring with us, given what the economic pundits are saying about inflation, the tech bubble, and the gray economic notion of the rest of the year. Consumers perhaps are being a bit more conscious in their buying, especially in the high-end residential designed outdoor construction marketplace, a rarefied atmosphere that many designers claim to breathe without really knowing much about the scent. I think some clients have been burned out by the two guys in a chainsaw companies, many of which have finally gone under. But what is the nature of the economy and how is it affecting the new landscape client? People are more discriminating. They're looking more closely at materials and phasing. Small, well-managed efforts are creating big visual impacts. Many folks are looking again at their homes and saying, okay, so if I'm really going to live here, let's do it right, as they look for solutions that take advantage of all aspects of their property. Folks are doing more research and not only want a garden that's sustainable, but a landscape company that is as well. How does a design-build landscape company and nursery manage through all of this? Frankly, looking back at the recession in 2008, we probably should have adjusted staff earlier, maybe as early as autumn of that troubling year, but we weren't sure. It's hard to know the right thing to do, weighing the need to maintain a strong business while considering the needs of real people with families. Remember how we were all panicked when the pandemic started and shut it all down? People arguing about who is an essential business while holding fast to a job that could go under at any minute. Contrast that with the post-PPP period, or even further, the ERTC tax relief package, an unasked-for massive refund of prepaid taxes that had many business owners looking at hundreds of thousands of dollars in federal refund checks with no strings attached. It's been a roller coaster ride with hairpin turns and whiplash-inducing starts and stops. 
it's been hard to know when to step on the gas or slam on the brakes. You know how the business magazines see these issues. If you anticipate things early and make changes, you're thinking outside the box. But if that doesn't work, you reacted too early. Keep things consistent and you're steady as a rock. Lose profit based upon this and you're not nimble enough as a manager. What I'm trying to convey is that you can't really rely on the magazines to tell you what's working and what isn't. They're just going to justify their argument based upon the outcome, not really how the company owner resolved it. For our landscape clients, it may be just as confusing to choose what to do. Should you hunker down to renovate your home instead of selling it? Should you realize the value of your landscape by investing in the fabled outdoor garden room we hear so much about? Should you order that latest plant from Garden Design Magazine? Let's part the clouds on some of this stuff. Recently, I was asked to do a talk for a landscape industry trade organization annual meeting. The topic was keeping your crews busy during an economic downturn. I've kind of paraphrased a bit of that presentation here. One key facet of it that set my mind thinking about any potential recession now was the turmoil that we went through in the mid-2000s. For our part, my wife and I were five years into our effort in owning the company then. I'd been there for perhaps five years prior as a designer and then subsequently as a business owner. We had a staff of about 50 with three nursery managers and we had three kids at home. We'd managed through a misreported inventory from the previous owners, a pair of crooks, but that's another story, and had an asset list that was missing significant plant materials that had been reported as part of the sale. We couldn't do anything about that, and times were getting tough. In design-build, keep in mind that at least in the residential sense, it does not really mean the recurring revenue that it does in landscape maintenance. So it was rough. We laid off individuals every week for about a three-month period, eventually shrinking the staff to about 17 people overall. Over time, we paid off our debt and innovated and adapted, and the remaining employees were pretty solid. Coming close to declaring bankruptcy, one unanticipated silver lining was that my kids learned a valuable lesson about the value of money. And when we sold our home, a beautiful place that we'd owned for over 16 years to pay off the business debts, the lesson was not lost on them. In later years, each of my three children would write about this troubling period for their college entrance exams. I think there are worse things than imparting the value of money on your children, albeit in this case from a situation I would rather not have experienced at all. So I've come to call the experience the fever. Like a fever, a recession will likely find you wallowing with a confused and sweating demeanor only to eventually break out of it. When you do, if you handle it carefully and with confidence, You'll be the better for it, and you will know that you have the antibodies that help you resist the next economic downturn. I know that's making lemonade out of lemons, but hey, that's what we do. The landscape industry views this kind of thing statistically in categories that I think you can understand. In the 2022 Lawn and Landscape Magazine State of the Industry Report, most company owners list their concerns in order as number one, high fuel prices, number two, a quality labor shortage, number three, the economic recession, number four, supply chain issues, number five, high health insurance costs, six, high fertilizer prices, seven, personal life stress, and eight, customers getting back and canceling services, and nine lower margins on work. 
You'll note here that a potential recession comes in as number three below high fuel prices and the ever concerning labor shortage. Listen to the GM podcast episode, My Missing Labor Force, for more on that. Let's talk about some of the statistics related to recessions and how they affect us. I'll, I'll try not to nerd out here, so no worries. It's not like I really understand this stuff anyway. It's more my opinion, so you can pick and choose, if you will, here. If you look at some statistics around the recurring economic downturn cycles, you can see where they occur and how long they last. You'll be struck by a number of things looking at it this way. First of all, when you look at a stock market growth chart over time on a statistical chart, you'll see that recessions really don't last that long in the grand scheme of things anyway. The Standard & Poor's stock index basically rises at a 45 degree angle from the turn of the 20th century onward with a few blips up and down. Noting that your lifetime might be half the chart, you can see that even the worst recession only takes a small chunk of that time. If you can weather it, it begins and it ends. The pandemic, for example, one of the biggest chaotic periods a business could ever experience, if we put it on a chart, over the course of the 20th century to the present day, it really is only a very small blip in time. With hindsight, we might experience it that way in the coming years as we look back. I know that over a million people died in the United States, and that's not something to minimize in any way. But the pandemic economic downturn was really very short-lived. If you can hang in there, facts will show that most folks will regain 70% of their original stock market investment within one year of the lowest point during any recession. They'll gain 84% back within two years from a recession low point. So the takeaway for me is that recessions don't last, and that recovery is actually quite fast. Knowing this can help inform your thinking about how you're going to choreograph yourself through the next economic down cycle. The labor market has rebounded significantly now and is only 1% or so down from where it was in February 2020. There are still 11.5 million jobs open in the U.S. as of 2023, but workers that are 55 and older have increased by 16 million over the last 20 years, while correspondingly workers 55 and younger have declined over the past two decades. I've mentioned it before, but it's surprising to consider that over 40% of landscape production workers will stay less than one year on the job. I think if you take this statistics to heart, it might help to lessen the blow when somebody leaves unexpectedly, knowing that this is often going to be the case. One in five young adults aged 25 to 34 is living with their parents now. This is another statistic that helps us understand why young people don't necessarily have to apply for a position with you, pushing rocks up a hill in the rain when they could be at home playing Xbox. There are quite a few elements that are holding us back and keeping us from making better business progress in the economy as it exists now. One issue is the exponential increase in construction costs overall. Not only the supply side delays that are slow, slowly easing on us now, but the fast rising costs related to supply chain disruptions, port issues, and the inventory of imported goods that have been rolled back from suppliers. Concrete and cement inventories were significantly reduced in 2022 due to supplier and labor issues, and we can generally expect overall higher material pricing in construction costs versus consumer pricing overall. Keep in mind that construction bids generally will lag behind any pending cost increases. This is a hard thing to factor in. Hourly construction wages are up 6% from 2021 to 2022 overall, and many firms are offering premium wages and hiring incentives. 
On the brighter side, it appears that inflation is finally going down now. But this all combines to make it a difficult management atmosphere. And in saying this, underscores the fact that you do need to plan ahead for any economic downturn. There are quite a few things that you can do to counteract any potential downturn during a recession. None of these suggestions are going to solve all your problems, but I've taken some time to think about it. And I think that if you use at least a few of these approaches to good effect, you might mitigate the worst aspects of any upcoming recession. One basic issue is the fact that we really need to counteract the landscape worker image problem. I've talked about this before in the education and labor force episodes, that we really have a problem with how the younger labor force looks at the work. This needs to be reappraised and presented as a career and a craft. That noted, when you're looking at a potential downturn in the economy, you need to also understand clearly what right-sizing means for your company and what layoffs are potentially going to occur. So having a good sense of your actual productivity is key. Are there redundant efforts taking place? Who's creating unnecessary drama in the office and the shop? Who can best multitask if put in a new position? These are all things that you will probably want to answer privately and be ready to turn on a dime to resolve. Further, you'll need to know your shop and tool inventory needs, whether it's equipment or shop supplies or office materials or computer equipment. You'll need to know and anticipate your upcoming inventory needs. If you're in a retail situation, you might want to consider consignment from a supplier and think about how you can organize leftover materials from job sites into overstock that you can resell. Needless to say, it's important to understand your main competitors and their strengths and weaknesses. You'll probably need to adjust to more competitive pricing when it all hits the fan. As more and more people are on the street claiming to be landscape companies, once laid off from work and looking for something to do. Their time and material markups and lowball hourly rates are a killer. So you need to offset this with strategic marketing and special offers of your own. Automate everything where you can and set up a digital agreement system. Gantt chart your installation periods online and tighten that up as best you can. Look at value-added services and preset options that you can easily and repeatedly add to your proposals. There are a number of things that you do over and over, and we talk about this in the Dozen Things We Do episodes, but you will want to standardize certain things that you can do on a repeated basis, say a planted pot arrangement or something of that nature. Consider additional perennials that everyone would want or a rock accent that you can do quickly or a temporary irrigation system with hoses and timers. Create a sense of urgency with a giveaway or a timing special whereby you give the client something for signing within a 10-day period or something of that nature. These kinds of things can be add-on items that can add a percentage to each project, a small amount that might be enough to help you reach a profitable tipping point. On another note, you'll want to understand your profit overall, your break-even points, and your key profit indicators. How much cash billing is needed every day for your company? Do you know what your profit centers are and how to differentiate between the facets of the work that are more profitable than others? Do you make more money hardscaping than you do installing pots or planting versus planting? Are irrigation systems more profitable than planting layouts? You should know this. In addition, you'll want to work the cash flow with the bank. Establish and gather an early line of credit. At the first sniff of a recession, cash out your entire line of credit before it gets pulled. This will give you more cushion when you need it from a cash flow perspective. Talk to your personal banker early and find a banker as a backup at the bank as well, because it's highly likely you're going to see turnover from the bank in the same way that you have turnover at your own company. 
Of course, you're going to want to check for PPP, ERTC, and special grants that might be available. Talk to your suppliers and consolidate your purchases overall. If you can focus your purchasing from a single supplier, you might be able to garner some loyalty and additional discounting or extended terms. Purchase any materials that you can dependably sell ahead of a downturn. On the staffing front, learn the rules of partial unemployment to relate to staff. This might enable you to put together a rolling layoff in which your staff would be able to make some income while shifting to part-time positions. Think about how to make a flexible staffing solution for certain segments of your company. Talk to your staff about your thinking overall and be optimistically outlining solutions to help get them ready for what might be a bit of a roller coaster ride. One good aspect of this is that your smarter employees will know that there's not necessarily another position right around the corner. So they're going to want to make the best of getting your business rolling again. What are some other important things you can do while you're anticipating a potential economic downturn? We talked about this a bit in the office systems episode, but I'll say again that it's fundamental to set your office up with a simple lead generating infrastructure if you can. You can base your leads on a series of promotions if you like, but it's important to gather project images and set up collateral materials that you can distribute, organize timely and easy responses for client inquiries by email, and critically, and I can't stress this enough, you need to start using a CRM, a client relationship manager or a database that helps you to collate information related to your inquiries. Initially, this will not seem very important, but over a period of time, it's a critical aspect of measuring how you gain business. CRM data will help you in a number of areas. It serves as a good format for record keeping and finding current and past client account data. It helps you understand your job sizes, demographics, and how potential clients are finding your company. And it can help inform you about how well inquiries are being managed by you and your team. And it can also help list out potential pending clients that need a more immediate follow-up. <clears throat> Think about doing a deep dive into Google AdWords. This is a really important marketing tool that I've talked about before. Set up a free or low costly AdWords expense so that it can direct how clients will find you online. Look at your best value offerings and your best margin materials. Diversify your services. What is something new that you could offer? Provide new and innovative services where you can and show repeatable options, as I've said, and add-ons on every proposal. Try to be clear in your understanding of advertising overall. Too often we hear and you run across someone in the industry that talks about how this or that venue doesn't work. And you'll hear things like Angie's list doesn't work or houses a ripoff or I'm not on social media. These folks are just being very short sighted. The people that say I don't really get clients through my website. That's just that's a crazy thing that's you sometimes hear. This is just a way to obscure the fact that they don't have their shit together at all with regard to marketing. What are they doing? Going door to door? Sending smoke signals? If that's all working for them, then fine. But it's not a good way to base a business. You should base your decisions on actually knowing the answer and not relying on something anecdotal. You'll likely know someone in the design build business that's working from job to job. And you may be doing this yourself. Working one job at a time and thinking about the following week rather than six months ahead. Try to jump out of this bind and put yourself in a position to be more forward thinking. One thing is clear, be wary of trends in economics or gardening. Trend watching is to gardening what dressage is to rodeo. It's not the real deal. It denies the duende.
Real gardeners can embrace chaos with a smile. Real gardening means getting in there and creating durable, beautiful, lasting solutions. We thought we were so smart back in the day, before the big recession or the pandemic aftershock. We thought we were marketing geniuses while we were really just riding a wave that we had no idea was breaking. We used to think we could anticipate the market and know what the garden trends were and how to articulate them clearly. As far as I'm concerned now, that's a lot of hoo-ha. Design magazines are full of professionally designed gardens that simply won't be there decades from now. I think pragmatic creativity is what people want. Could that be the new garden trend? Folks really don't change as much as the design magazines would have us believe. What do clients want? They hope for a good rapport with their horticultural consultant and a sensible and creative landscape solution. They want to review hardscape choices to choose from a selection of low-maintenance plant material and see evidence of good craftsmanship. We may not know what the economic changes will be, but our businesses, like our landscapes, should be built for resilience, but stand ready to embrace the chaos. Thanks for listening.